So we're, we're jumping into this new series today called You Asked For It, and we call it You Asked For It because last week you asked for it. We did a survey, and we asked you, tell us what, what messages, what topics would you like to hear talked about? And what we're doing is we're, we're praying about those topics, and, and we're just kind of compiling them, and we're going we're gonna to teach the ones that we really feel like God is leading us to teach for the next six weeks. And so today, we're actually talking about two questions, really. They're very similar in nature, but I split them up because one is, how do I find God's purpose for my life? And this one's deeply personal. I think every one of us want to know, why on earth am I here? God, why did you create me? Why am I here? I know it's not to just breathe air and, and kick the dust around. You created me for something. Why? And so that's, that's the first question we're going to answer today. And then the next question is a little bit more tactical. It's, it's more about, like, it's how do I find God's plan or his will for my life? And the difference that I see there is, is it's a little bit more specific. Like, this question is more about, like, who am I supposed to marry? Like, I'm getting ready to go to college. All right, Lord, what's your will for me? Where am I supposed to go to school? What should my career choice be? Have you ever asked the Lord to just kind of show you his will over those things before? Like, should I buy this car or should I, should I buy this house? Have you done that? I mean, I've done it. What's your will? And so we're going to answer both of those today. So I just need to know, are you ready? Are you ready? Good deal. Um, that was, I, I'll take it. We're, we'll go with it, right? So how do I find God's plan and God's purpose for my life? We're going to get there in just a second. But what I need you to know is that God absolutely knows why you are here. 100% he knows why you're on this earth and he has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite scriptures, says it this way. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not, not to harm you. Isn't that good news that he doesn't want to harm us? <laughs> I mean... That would be a pretty sadistic God if, if he wanted to like hurt us all. But he's not like that. He has, he, he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And then it goes on to say, I want to give you a hope and a future. Now, one translation says, I want to give you the future you've always hoped for. Come on, you know you want that, right? That hope, that future you've always hoped for. That's what God wants to do in us. So he knows the plans and he knows the purpose that he has for you. He knows what you're supposed to do with your life, and he wants to give you the tools. He wants to help you out. He wants, he wants you to make the right decisions, but you need to know that he's not a genie in a bottle. Like, like you don't get over here and you're like, all right, come on, come on, baby, come on, baby, and oh, double whammy. No, it's not like that, right? It's, I mean, you, you, it's, it's not something that you can send in $15 to the TV preacher, and then, and then you find God's purpose for your life. My dear brothers and sisters, for your love gift of $15 or more today, we're going to send you this vial of water from the very river where Jesus was baptized, and you'll know his purpose. No, it doesn't work like that, right? It doesn't work that way. You can't find God's purpose that way. But here's, here's how you find his purpose. His purpose for you is obvious, it is apparent, and it is crystal clear when you get close enough to him to see it. That's when you're going to know his will for your life. That's when you're going to know his purpose for your life. When I was in second grade, um, I got glasses. Now, I wear contacts most of the time, and I wear glasses at night. So uh, in second grade, I had bifocals, y'all. Benjamin Franklin, man, I'm telling you what. 
four eyes for sure. These were like Coke bottles. They would be in style today if I still had these glasses. I mean, they, they were huge. Just awesome. But I remember coming home from the eye doctor. We had about a 30-minute drive. And uh, we're coming home, and I'm just telling my mom how, how I can see so much better. I'm saying, Mom, I can see this road sign. I've never noticed this before. I can see this over here. And, and she's getting emotional in the driver's seat because her baby boy is like, she can tell the difference that it has made in me to be able to see. And I'm just, I'm just saying that maybe for you today, Maybe you feel like, I can't see God's will. I don't know what he's saying to me. I, don't, I can't visualize it. Maybe you need to do one of two things. Maybe, like me, you need to change the lens that you're looking through, right? Maybe you're looking through past hurts and unforgiveness and bitterness, and you're looking through people who did you wrong, and you're looking through, through things that happened to you, and that's the filter, that's the lens that you're trying to see God's will through, and, and it's not going to make a lot of sense or maybe you just need to get close enough to God where you can see it. See, because I, I could see things and I could read things when I got up close to it. But no matter what, you've got to get close to God. Whether you need new lens or not, whether you need a new filter to look through or not, you've got to get close to God if you want to see his, his plan for your life. Can I get an amen? I, be, I believe that. We, we've got to draw close to him. So this is what happens when we draw close to God. James 4, 8 says it this way. It says, Come near to God, and he will do what? Come near to you. A lot of times we think of this as like a step for a step. Like if I take a step to God, then he's going to take a step to me. Like, okay, your move, your move, Ben. You moved a step, and I'm going to move a step. But I like to see it a different way. I like to see it like if, if this is all we've got. God, I'm coming near to you. I'm drawing near to you. This is, this is all I've got. I like to imagine that Jesus is more like this. Oh, man, great move. I'm coming, I'm coming at you. Like, and, and he takes three or four steps in one. He's not a step-for-a-step kind of God. When you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. He's going he's gonna to draw near to you. He's going to draw close to you. So when you make an effort to walk in his will, when you make an effort to find his purpose for your life, he's not going to hide it from you. He's not over here going, watch this, I'm going to hide it from him like, like it's an Easter egg or something. No, he's, he's not keeping it from you. It's not a magic spell that you have to unlock, right? It's not a, a hidden gem that you've got to search for. When you draw close to God, you're going to know his will and his purpose for your life. And you're going to see that through our theme verse in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 Paul's talking to the Romans, of course, and, and he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because God's been so good to us, because he's so merciful to us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Like, live for God. Don't, don't just give your life to Christ and then and kind of settle, but live for him and offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to God when you do that. It's your spiritual act of worship. And here's what I want to focus on, two words really, out of this, this yellow part. Do not conform. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says don't conform. Do not conform. That's what I want to th talk about just real quick. Because if you're trying to do the same thing, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, 
and you're expecting a different result, that's what we, we call insane, right? We're insane when we do the same thing over and over again and expect something different to happen. It's just, it's not, it's not going to change. It's not going to happen. So Paul's saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world. That word conform is, is the Greek word. I got, got to say it. I practiced this thing so many times so I wouldn't blow it for you. The Greek word, matizo, And it's where we get our word schematic or scheme. And it just simply means this. Don't pattern yourself after somebody else. If you want to know God's will for your life, don't try to find it in somebody else. Don't pattern. Another definition says, don't fashion yourself to the mind and character of somebody else if you want to know God's will for your life. You can't find it apart from Christ. So don't, don't fashion yourself to the way the world does it. They have their own schematic. And maybe it's not even bad or wrong, but God's saying, you got to do it my way. If you want to know my will for your life, you have to do it my way. So their way of doing things is different than God's way of doing things. He has a different way. He says, don't conform, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. That's the Greek word metamorpho. I don't use a lot of Greek words. I don't study a lot of Greek stuff. But these two words just really interested me because metamorpho is where we get our word metamorphosis. And this literally means to change into another form. So don't become like the world, Paul is saying. Instead, become more like Jesus. If you want to know God's will for your life, become more like Jesus. The idea is that we're just going to draw close to him. And the best way for you to become like Jesus is to spend more time with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Doesn't that make sense? Like you want to know God's will for your life, get in his word. To become more like Christ, worship. Be here today like you are and spend time in worship. Uh, pray. You don't have to have all, the, all the, the words like, Our dear, most gracious Heavenly Father, we beseech thee upon thine throne of mercy and grace. Wouldst thou come amongst us? Nobody talks like that. You don't have to talk like that. You can just say like, Jesus, where you at, man? Like, I need you. It's a conversation between you and the Lord. Pray. Get in small groups, which we're launching a month from next Sunday. Small groups are launching really soon. Get in those, get in those atmospheres. That's where you can become more like Christ. It kind of reminds me of two uh, like teenage girls who are besties. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, we're just besties. Like, we talk alike. We act alike. We dress alike. We do everything together. It's just so incredible. We're just besties. Because besties are for real because they know what the other person likes. They know what their best friend likes or doesn't like, right? They know the food that they like or, or don't like. They know the friends that they like or they don't like. They, they know the morals and the values that they have or that they don't have. They're best friends. They're besties for a reason. And that's kind of the way it is when you draw close to the Lord. When you get close to God, you're not going to have to wonder, oh, what does he think about this? Should I do this over here? Should I buy this? Should I attend this school? Should I go to this place? Should I make this decision? Because when you draw close to God, the scripture says, then when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, when you transform by the way you think, then you're going to be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's good news. When we don't conform, but we're transformed, we'll be able to know his will when we draw close to the Lord. Are you with me? All right, y'all hang in there. 
So here's, here's the first thing we're going to cover today. I want to talk about how to find God's purpose for my life. Like, why on earth am I here? And to find this out, you really need to know how you're designed. Like, you've been created specifically. You have a design. I believe that about you. And in, in Psalm chapter 139, it says it this way, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, your works are wonderful, God. You did a good job when you, when you made me, when you made us. I praise you because you've made me so complex, one translation says. And, and this is the part that most of us don't get. I know that full well. Here's the problem is that most of us don't know how well we're made. Most of us don't know our design. We don't know what God's put inside of us. We don't know the things that he is destined for us. And, and he, so here we go. You just don't know what you don't know. And for that, there's grace. I want to give you. Like, I want to give you what you don't know today. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, two things real quick that you need to know. And the first one is you need to know your passions. You need to know your passions. We actually cover this topic uh, in our growth track. Step two of every month is, is all about discovering your passions. So I'm just going to skim the surface because I want you to come to growth track and, and discover it in a deeper way. We do so much more there to help you with your purpose. So, but you've got to know your passions, that God has put something inside of you. He's given you a passion for something. Can I get a witness? He's given you a passion for something. It's the thing that energizes you. It's your sweet spot, man. It is where God has created you to be. It makes you tick. It cranks your tractor. It gets your blood going, right? It's the thing that fires you up. Man, you, you, you come alive when you, when you do that thing. It's your passion. It sets you apart from other people. Maybe not, not everybody else has the same passion as you, and that's okay. It's what sets you apart. See, God puts desires and he puts passions inside of you, and you might think that what you're doing is just something you enjoy. Like, I, I just really like doing this. It's fun. It's great. It, it, it's, a, it's a blast. But maybe you're not thinking that it could be a God-given passion that he's destined for you. Like, he put that inside of you for a greater purpose. He gave you that passion. And I want you to know this. I want you to know that before God made you, before he created you in the mother's womb, he designed you to fit into a purpose that he intended for you. Second Timothy says it this way in, in, in chapter 1, verse 9. It says that he saved us and he called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we did, not because we were good enough, not because we dressed the part, not because we came to City Hope every weekend. No, not, not for any of that. No, because of the grace, because of his own purpose and grace he had laid out for us. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus, and here's the, here's the kicker, before the beginning of time. He destined something for you before the beginning of time. That's good news. And then we go down to Ephesians, and it says in Ephesians, we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works. So we've been created not to just you know, sit on our, our keister and, and just keep doing life the way we like it, no, but to do good works for other people, which God prepared, how? In advance. Like he had it for you before you were ever born. He knew what you were called to do. I love to say it this way, that you are perfectly wired, you are perfectly designed to live your life in a way that makes a difference in people around you. 
100%. So when you know your passion, when you, when you know your passion, you can begin stepping in your purpose. But the second thing I need you to know is you need to know your gifts. So you have a passion, but you also have gifts, right? You, you, you've been given spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And there's actually about 27 gifts throughout the New Testament that we know of. And, and I believe that's not an, like an exhaustive list. That's just kind of 27 gifts that they, I just think, kind of rambled off there. I believe there's so many more. But there's 27 gifts that the, the New Testament talks about. It's a variety of gifts that he has for you. I want you to know that and believe that. First Peter says it this way. He says, God has given each of you a gift. Pastor, man, I just don't think God's given me a gift. Well, according to his word, he's given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. And, and this is what he wants you to do with them. Use them well to serve one another. <laughs> That's what he wants us to do with our gifts and passions. So some of you, you might be passionate about worship. But can you sing? That's the question, right? <laughs> you may be passionate about, you hear my heart, you got to be gifted and passionate to fulfill your purpose about that thing, right? You, you know, I, I, you may love, um, you, may, you may love, be passionate about kids be, being taken care of, but you're not gifted in that. Hey, I love that our kids are taken care of every week, but I'm not gifted to be back there working in the nursery. Come on, somebody. That is not my gift and my calling. I'm thankful for those who have that gift and calling. There's, there's a gentleman every Sunday. He helps seat people. His name's Tim, and he walks up and down the aisle helping people find their place and find their, where they're supposed to sit. That's a gift and a passion that he has to help you find your place in the sanctuary for the service today. Uh, one, of, one of my gifts is, like, I, 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 am, I have a gift of administration and leadership, but uh, uh, that comes with a detail-oriented mindset. And so when I walk into a room, I see chairs that need to be lined up, and I might overlook the person who needs attention in the corner, and they're being ministered to. I'm just going to straighten up the chairs, but somebody else has been gifted to minister to the person in the back. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we're all gifted and talented in different ways. Some of you, you're like, man, I, I noticed we need some help with, with uh, this in the parking lot. Well, hey, that may be a gift and a passion and your opportunity to serve God, to use that gift, to use that talent and that passion. So here's the thing I want you to know is that when you use your gift and passion together, you are hitting home runs for days. I'm telling you, it is your sweet spot. It is where God has created you. And if you want to know your purpose, know your gifts, know your passions. Amen? So when you know your gift, you're going to be good at it. Like, you, like God's not going to call you to something that you're, like you're, you're terrible at. Like he's already gifted for you that, that for you. Like he's, he's already gifted that. In you. Like you, you don't want me playing guitar up here. You want Blake playing guitar. You know what I'm saying? Somebody who's gifted at that. When, when you find your gift, you're going to have an opportunity to use it. You're going to be energized. It's going to pump you up, and you're going to develop that over time. God's going to, God's going to, develop that gift inside of you. So that's kind of all I want to talk about with your purpose today, because we, we talk about it in step two of the growth track every month. And if you are trying to figure out, is City Hope, like God, is it your will for me to come for us to be here at City Hope? Is it like, what's my purpose in life? 
You come to Growth Track, and we'll help you with both of those things. We'll help you find out if this is the church for you. And if it's not, man, there's a lot of great churches in our city. Go, go to one of them. But we're going to help you find out if this is the church for you, and we're going to help you discover your purpose. So you, Growth Track happens today. We're talking about step four, which is um, step four is the dream team, helping people get on the team and serve. But step one is next week. And if you like to start things from the beginning, then that's for you. Go, go next week right after the service. All right, say got it. All right, then I know you got it. So that's, that's a little bit about purpose. If you want to know your purpose, you need to know your gifts and passions. Now, when you know your purpose, when you have found why God created you, it's going to be easier for you to know his like, more specific plan for your life, your, his will for your life. This is what I'm talking about in terms of, God, where do you, like, I'm a student, I'm graduating high school. God, where do you want me to go to school? Like, where, Lord, is it your will for me to, to buy this or do this? So we're going to talk about 10 tests that will help you determine whether something is God's will, all right? These are 10 very practical tests, and I'm just going to give them to you really quickly, all right? Number one, the first one is the word test. The word test. If something is against the word of God, can I just go ahead and settle that for you? It's probably not his will. <laughs> all right, can we agree on that? Like, like, if it's against God's word, it's probably not what he wants for you. It's not his will. Like, oh man, I, I just really feel like the Lord's calling me to split this church and take this and go over here and start another church. Probably not God's will for you. I'm, th I'm so thankful that we didn't start as a church split. That's not, that's not in our roots. That's not our DNA. Not going to happen. But like I've heard of that before, and I'm just not happy about it, so I'm going to go start something over here. And can I tell you that when that happens, God can't bless that because it's sowing discord. It's, it's disunity in the church. Do you know what discord is? Can I show you what discord is? I'm, I'm a... I play a little bit every now and again. This is discord. How many of you like that sound? No, man, nobody likes that sound, but this, this is what a real chord is. Now, that's a little bit more bearable, right? You can handle that. That is what the Bible says, a chord of three strands, that's what... That's what it takes to make up a chord in music, by the way. A chord of three strands is not easily broken. A chord of three strands is not easily broken. So God's not going to call us to do something that sows discord. Like, you're, you're frustrated, you're upset, you're mad about something that happened in Little League Baseball, and you go to Facebook rants and raves. Probably not God's will for you to do that. Just, just let it go. Just, just drop it right there, right? So there's the word test. And it, this ought to be easy for us if, if, we're, if you're a believer. And if you're not, then the way to let this become easy for you is to get in his word. Just I, I read the Bible every day in a one-year Bible plan. And uh, every day there's about anywhere from five to seven chapters that I read. And that's a great way for you to just dive in and find out God's will for your life. So if it's against his word, Probably not his will, all right? The second one is the marriage test. The marriage test. If you're married, then, then this is like, is my spouse on board with this? Is my spouse, are we together? Are we unified in this decision? And if you're not, then you, you need to slow down. Like it's, it's, it's out of God's will for you to do something if you're not unified 
in your marriage about that decision. So the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of unity. So if you don't have unity in your marriage, then, then you probably don't have Christ in your marriage. And if you don't have Christ in your marriage, then you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have hope. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have strength. You're not going to have all of those things that Christ came to give us in our marriage. So if you're not on board, if you're not together, then don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Just pump the brakes and, and wait. Wait until you can come in unity on something. You know, it's not like, well, it's my way or the highway, baby. This is the way it's going to be done around here. I wear the pants in this family. Uh-huh, I bet you do. Right, yeah, so we don't, we don't do that. It's, all right, whatever you say, Lord, we're, we're submitted to you. We're not in unity, so we're, we're going to wait until we can be together on this. The next test is the family test. The family test, is my family on board with this decision? Is this going to bless my family? Is, is this going to help my family? Can I tell you that your opportunity that puts your family in a bad place is probably not the will of God? If it puts your family in, in a place where there's struggle. And listen, I know God calls us to do things that make us uncomfortable. I'm not talking about, yeah, we're moving to Texas whether you like it or not, and, and this is just part of what we're doing. It's God's will for us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, yeah, we don't have a place to go. We don't, we don't have any money in the bank. We're living out of the car. We're just going on a whim. I don't know if that's God's will for your life because it puts your family in a bad spot. And God calls us to take care of our family, especially as men of the house. If you're a single mother, then he's called you to, to fill that role right now and, and provide for your family. And I know it's difficult. And can we right now just love on our single moms for a minute? We love you. We're so proud of you. We thank God for you. You're doing a tough job. I, I don't, I'm not a single mom, but... Obviously, but mom, I had a, my mom was was single for about five years, raising three boys, and I can I can just I, I I can know what you're going through a little bit, and we're proud of you, and we just we just say keep going, we're here for you, Amen, Church. Well, we we've got to make sure that our family's taken care of emotionally, physically, spiritually. So if our family's not blessed by this decision, let's let's check. Let 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 that be a check for us. Number four is the peace test. Do I have peace about going forward with this decision? And that doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult or that it's not going to try your patience, right? It's going to be, there are decisions in this life that are difficult to make that try and they test us. And that's part of the process. But if you haven't been spending time with the God of peace, you're probably not going to know what real peace feels like. And so, Real peace, let me just explain to you real quick. Real peace is not when everything is awesome. Everything is awesome, right? That's not real peace. That is, everything's great, and I have no problems. I have no worries. Real peace is when you're, when you're in the middle of a disaster, when things are falling apart and things aren't going well, but you still have peace that passes all understanding and joy unspeakable filling your heart and soul, amen? That's real peace. That's real peace. So does this decision, do I have peace about it? Is, is there kind of a calm in my soul about this thing? Number five is the ministry test. Will, will this decision or this move help or hinder my ability to minister for Christ? And, and that's, it's 
kind of what we said earlier, that you have a purpose in this life. You, you have a destiny. Like you have, there's a reason you're alive and God put you on this earth. And, and the, a big part of that is to serve other people. So question whether or not this, if this thing is going to pull you away from, uh, away from ministry, away from an opportunity to serve, away from an opportunity to bless other people, away from an opportunity to, to get involved in a local church, question, is that your will for me, Lord? And maybe it is for a season. Maybe it's something that you go through for a little bit. Maybe it's just a seasonal thing. But you need to know that you were made to serve. You were created to serve. It's God's will for you to serve. Number six is the agreement test. This is a good one. This is a good one, but it's a tough one. The agreement test is, have I shared this strong? Has, have I shared this with strong Christians in my life and they're in agreement with my feelings? And I think this is a, a difficult one for us because we don't want anybody raining on our parade. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I think I'm going to do this. We're going to do this thing. And then you talk to somebody about it who's got a little bit of wisdom. And they go, I don't know if I'd do that, man. I don't, I don't know if I'd do that thing. And you're like, dude, you, you're just trying to mess up my, my game. You're just, try, you're, just, you're just hating. That's what you're doing. Like, you, know, you don't like it because I'm getting to do this and you're not. And then you do it, and then you realize, crap, they were right. You know what I'm saying? You realize they knew something. They, they, they've been there before. You realize, I, I didn't really know what I was talking about. So listen to me. Proverbs, the scripture says in Proverbs uh, chapter 15, verse 22, it says, plans fail for lack of counsel. Plans fail when you don't let enough people kind of help guide the ship. But with many advisors, they succeed. So here's what I, I want to tell you today. You need some people in your life who won't just tell you what you want to hear. You need some people in your life who will tell you the truth. You need some people in your life who aren't just yes people. Come on. I've, I've had those, and I have those in my life today, and, and it saved me from a lot of heartache to have people who say, I, I don't think that's a great idea. I don't know if I'd go that way. I don't know if I'd do that. I don't know if that's the best decision. And you need some people like that in your life. You know, I've had um, some friends over the years, unfortunately, who who uh, contemplating leaving their spouse, or maybe they left their spouse, just walked out on them. But they didn't come to me for advice. They didn't go to anybody else close to them who might who, who might have some great wisdom for them, but instead they went to somebody else who, who did the same thing, and they got counsel from them. And I'm just saying, we live in a dangerous world when we won't listen to somebody else who wants to tell us the truth, when we just want to hear what we want to hear. Can I get a witness? Now, and listen, I don't want this. This message is not meant to be condemning at all. You know our heart. If you've been coming for these last 14 weeks, you know we're, we're all about grace. And man, the best days are ahead, but I need you to know there's some things that, some tests that we can run these decisions through that are going to help us. And we just need some people who will tell us when we're going, about to go off the cliff. Amen? All right. Number seven is the financial test. If you didn't like that test, I'd, you might not like this one. Uh, <laughs> will this move me to greater financial freedom so I can use God's finances as his word says? So if... Purchasing that home, buying that car, taking out that student loan, I don't know what it is. 
but you know, whatever that is, if it's going to keep you from, from having financial freedom to do things God's called you to do, to be generous, question it. Is it the right thing for me to do? I remember being in high school, and um, I had some money set aside and some money coming in, and um, I went out and just made a, a probably a bonehead decision for a senior in high school. I went out and bought a brand new Nissan Xterra. I mean, they were brand new. First year that they'd come out. It was beautiful. It was the dumbest decision I've ever made in my life, right? Like, I'm in high school. What business did I have going and purchasing something like that as a senior in high school? Mom and dad, dad was gone. Mom and my stepdad, they weren't helping me with it. I was just, it was on me. You know what I'm saying? Bad decision, but I drove up in the church parking lot, told the youth pastor, man, God blessed me. Look at this. Look at, look at what God blessed me with. Oh, oh, God blessed you with that. Oh, I see. Well, see, God has blessed you with some things too. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about that kept us from doing greater things for God. It kept us from being obedient, from being generous, from maybe it kept us from leaving a bigger tip for the waitress who was going through a hard time. But we knew, oh, man, I got that car payment. I got that. I got this credit card bill coming up, and I'm not, st- I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm just saying we've got, to pat- we've got to filter it through that test. All right, Lord, is it going to help me or hinder me in being a blessing in the kingdom of God? And, and, and uh, I'll say it this way. If God can get it through you, he will get it to you. If he can get finances through you, he will get them to you. And I believe that 100% with all my heart, that if we're faithful with the little, he'll, he'll reward with even more. And so we've got, to be, we've got to be a generous people because it's in God's nature to be generous. He loved us so much that he gave his only son. And, and we, in, in, in return, we just give our lives back to him. And we give all of our resources. We say, Lord, we're yours. Lead us, guide us, and direct us. And if you're not able to be generous right now, uh, there's going to be small groups that will help you to be able to do that again. And we want you to live in that, that financial freedom to do that. Number, number eight, this test is the faith test. The faith test. Is this causing me to step out in faith toward God? Here's the deal. God's probably not going to call you to do something that like, you can just do on your own. Right? If, if, if you can do this step of faith on your own, you're probably not dreaming big enough. If you can do this thing on your own without God's help, you probably need him to kind of give you a little bit more fresh vision in your life because if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Amen? Moving here to, to Wichita Falls was the biggest step of faith that we'd ever made. And I'm, I'm telling you that because it was, truly. We had it made where we were in Alabama. We were, we'd been on staff at that church for 15 years, and life was good. Everything was perfect, right? But coming here was a step of faith because we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if anybody would show up on day one. We didn't know what it would, what, that, where we would meet or where we would, where we would live. We didn't know any of that, and it was a step of faith. And, and I'm just telling you this because as we grow and as God blesses City Hope and we look for property or buildings or renovations to, to be able to move into, here's what I know. There's going to be another step of faith along the journey. It's usually not a one step and you're done kind of thing. God has many steps of faith for you, and, and that kind of a step of faith is something we're all going to take one day. So you've got to know, you've got to be able to answer that question, is, is, is this a step of faith and, and is it something that God wants me to do?
Number nine is the relationship test. Are my relationships strong enough to withstand any stress this decision might bring me? Like, God, I feel like you're calling me to do this. You're asking me, or, or Lord, I feel like, you know, we've got, we could do this over here, but we need to know your will. Is your relationship strong enough to, to withstand that decision? And here's what I mean is that sometimes it might be God's will for you to do something, but not his timing. Like 10 years ago, we had a dream in our hearts to come to Wichita Falls 10 years ago. And we stayed where we were for 10 years. We just stayed where we were. We, were, we, we kept getting better at what we did. We kept developing. And, and it wasn't the right time. God was saying, yes, that's my plan for you, but not now. One day, yes, but not now. And, and I look at this, a great way for me to illustrate this, I guess, is with if you, if you take a, a young couple who's not married, young guy and a girl, and they're dating. Man, they believe God wants them to get married, but they, they start to get a little physical with one another. Like, like, you know, let's get physical, physical. Like bow chicka wow wow physical. Right, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just being clear. All right. All right, so, so yes, maybe it is God's will for you to get married, but getting physical is not in his will right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, you're supposed to get married, but you're, 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 supposed, to, you're supposed to spend the rest of your life together. You're supposed to get married, but you're not supposed to get physical now. Do you see what I'm saying? And God has that in so many ways in our life. Yes, I want you to do that. Yes, I want you to start that business. Yes, I want you to buy this place. Yes, I want you to go to this school. Yes, I want you to do these things. Not now. Wait. Wait. Develop yourself. Maybe it's getting your house in order. Maybe it's paying off some debt. I don't know what that is, but let God speak to you because your relationships need to withstand the stress that comes from those decisions. And then the last one is the Christ-like test. Kind of taking this all the way back to where we were at Romans 12 earlier. The Christ-like test says, does this move help me become more like Christ or does it take me away from his church? Does it take me away from him? And so the real question here is, is this decision, am I conforming in order to have this Am I becoming like the world? Am I, am I thinking the way they think? Am I fashioning my life according to their mind and their character? Am I changing who I am to get this? Or is this drawing me closer to God? Is, am I becoming more like Christ through this process? And I think that's ultimately that's where God wants us. That's where he wants us. When we're trying to decide what's your will in this life, I think, Ultimately, he just wants to say, hey, I just want to be enough for you. We'll never have enough stuff in this life until God is enough for us. We'll never have enough in this life until God is enough, until Jesus is enough. So he wants us to become more like him, to be more like Christ. Are we conforming or are we transforming? God's plan is not always easy. It's always worth it, though. And it's part of the process to be, be like Jesus. And we can call ourselves Christians, but that, that one word packs a punch. It means to be like Christ. 
to be like Christ. That's my prayer for us today. That's my prayer for you and I. That every decision we make would draw us closer to Him and help us to live in His purpose and His plan for our lives. Amen? Hey, would you bow your heads with me today? And let me, let me just close up with this. I want to ask you a question I always ask you. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's He, what's he whispering to you? And I can promise you that it's not condemnation. Condemnation is, see how bad you are. See, you, you've lived your life all these years and you haven't, you, you've failed in every one of those ways, man. You're, you're no good. Look at how bad you've done. That's condemnation. But what the Holy Spirit does is He brings conviction. And what He's saying is, hey, yeah, you, you may have messed up, but listen, we can start over right now. Let me show you a better way. There's hope for you. I can help you out. The Holy Spirit's whispering those, that, man, that still small voice of God to you right now that there's, there's a greater way. And you don't have to live in condemnation and guilt. And before you can know God's purpose for your life, can I just tell you that you need to know God? Before you can know His plan for your life, before you can know what He's called you to do, you've got to know Him. And if you're here today and you say, Ben, I, I don't know Christ. I don't have a relationship with Him. I'm far from God. I've been doing things my own way. I've been living how I want to live. I've, I've just been calling the shots in my life. And if you're ready today to turn over the way you've been doing things, to, to change your mind. That's what the word repent means, to change your mind. If you're ready for life change today, you're ready for a fresh start, for a blank page, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You need to make a decision that you're ready for that. And if that's you, you're ready for a fresh relationship with Jesus, ready to know Him. I want you to just lift up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We won't single you out. We're going to pray for you in just a minute. If that's you, just lift up your hand all across this place just to say, man, I'm ready to start a new relationship with Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. I see you in the back. I see you right here. Thank you so much. Who else today? God bless you. I see you back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for being courageous. Thank you for being bold. Anybody else today? Thank you. I see you up here. Hey, let's say this prayer together. With boldness and courage, let's say this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me purpose, for giving me a plan. I surrender. Not my way, but your way. Be the Lord of my life. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. I give my life from this day forward. I'll serve you. I'll love you. I'll honor you. And when I fall, I'll keep coming back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks today for many hands that, that were raised. God, thank you. Thank you.